0: W Media.
1: Spy Talk, a podcast at the intersection of intelligence, foreign policy, national security, and military operations, with Jeff Stein and Gene Musser.
0: Hi there. This is Jeff Stein with a special edition of the Spy Talk podcast. My guest today is Ali Soufan, the now illustrious former FBI special agent and counterterrorism specialist, whose key role in getting inside Al Qaeda was dramatized years ago in the gripping book and movie, The Looming Tower, which is still available on Hulu, by the way. Since then, he's formed his own global risk intelligence firm based in New York, the Soufan Group, And authored two important books, Anatomy of Terror, From the Death of Bin Laden to the Rise of the Islamic State, and The Black Banners, The Inside Story of 911 and the War Against Al Qaeda. Ali Sufan did me the great honor today of getting out of a sick bed with a bad head cold, so his voice is a little raspy. Stay with us, however. Because he has some important things to say in the wake of the Taliban's lightning conquest of Afghanistan and what it portends for other powers in the region and the West. Ali Sufan, welcome to the Spy Talk podcast. When we first scheduled this interview about a month ago, the situation was far different in Afghanistan, and we were going to talk about the recommendations of the 911 Commission. Now, the general consensus is that Afghanistan is a catastrophe. Um, But the thing I wanted to get to right away, my first question is, you have a large stable of experts, many of them former senior intelligence officials, constantly tracking terrorists and radical extremist personalities and events around the world, especially the Middle East. Do you have any indication today whether the Taliban's lightning victory in Afghanistan is exciting militants and extremists around the world? And what indications are those?
1: Absolutely. It's a huge victory. Uh, They are celebrating this this victory. Uh, They're celebrating. They are definitely celebrating this victory. And not only Groups like Al Qaeda, jihadis, the Taliban, but a lot of the other extremist organizations in the region, to include Hezbollah, to include the Houthis, to include, in heaven's sake, Hamas, that congratulated the Taliban for their victory against what they called the American occupation.
0: Um, and what are they saying, Ali? Uh, what, how are they better. interpreting this?
1: Just a lesson to everyone. That um, anyone, anyone who depends on the Americans should look at this lesson uh, that America is going to leave and the victory is going to be for Islam and uh, for the people in the region, uh, for them. And uh, that is something that has been, that's a narrative that has been going on for a while. Uh, mostly at the beginning, we we're hearing it from Iran and pro-Iranian groups in Iraq, like Hajj al Shabi, Hezbollah in Lebanon, talking about the access of what they call the access of resistance. But now we're hearing it from also the Taliban and a lot of the other uh, Sunni extremists organizations. It's, it's a huge victory after 9-11. Uh, and, and I think this disaster that we've seen unfolding in the last 72 hours, 48 hours, um this disaster has been in the making for 20 years yeah a long Um, time i I was in afghanistan in uh, the in late fall 2002 when i remember president Karzai was going crazy about uh, the military start removing assets from afghanistan uh, could you explain that a little bit more the
0: military removing assets
1: yeah, I mean, in um, the military were removing assets from Afghanistan in order to prepare for the Iraq war. And at the time, right. after 9-11, the Taliban and Al-Qaeda were, were destroyed, but they were trying to regroup. And it was towards the end of 2002 that they started to find their groove bag and mm-hmm. they trying to figure out how to regroup. And at that point, the administration decided to start shifting assets and start another war before finishing that and that was yeah. the path that we did not take
0: yeah. and then
1: everything became a disaster um so many different you can write books and books about the disaster in afghanistan the disaster of the war on terror um, i actually predicted all these things in two mm-hmm, books the and the black banner so it wasn't shocking uh, to see what was uh, going on, it wasn't shocking to see the Afghani government collapse, uh, to see um, um, uh, the president of Afghanistan escaping to Tajikistan. Um, you know, before the before the Taliban take Kabul, I mean, these are these have been in the making. Um, you know, Jeff, many you know many months ago, actually more than two years ago, when the Trump administration started the negotiations with the Taliban in Doha. And um, I was uh, totally against the way that they were doing it. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I, um, we wrote about it. We put intel briefs about it. I did media interviews about it. And my concern was that we're sending the wrong message to those people who are with us in Afghanistan because we isolated the mm-hmm. Afghani government and we were only negotiating with the Taliban. And we separated the negotiations between the Taliban and the Afghanis yeah. to our negotiation with the Taliban. That was a very bad message that we were sending to all our allies in Afghanistan, mm-hmm. to the military in Afghanistan, that we don't care about them. We're only trying to figure out a way yeah. out. And then we decided to leave Afghanistan based on, based on a timeline. You know... <laughs> Timelines don't mean anything to people like the Taliban or Al Qaeda mm-hmm. or ISIS or Hezbollah. Timelines, we only care about timelines. We put them and we start working with them. Well, as, one, they... as one Taliban commander said, uh, you know, you own the watches, we own the time. Right. Uh, I mean, yeah. and, and, and this is so accurate. Um, we should have have that structured not on a timeline, but on, on a plan. And yeah. unfortunately, we didn't have the plan. Another thing, um, President Trump, I recall, um, forced the Taliban, uh, forced the Afghani government to release about five thousand prisoners. Mm-hmm. Those are the leaders of the Taliban, to include the leader who is now the leader of the of the country. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, he was he was released as part of a negotiation settlement between Pakistan, Afghanistan, and uh, and the Taliban and us. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately. Um, you know, when you when you send this message to the Afghan government and to the Afghan army, what do you expect them to do? Yeah, They know that you're not serious. At least ISIS, before they took over Mosul, they did an operation called breaking down the walls to get their prisoners out so they can use them in the operation to take Mosul. Mm-hmm. In Afghanistan, the Taliban didn't even have to do that. Mm -hmm. We release those. We force the Afghani government to release those people. So when you want to say why the Afghanis didn't stand up and fight, well, there is a lot of reasons that they didn't stand up and fight. And it's basically because of the messages that we have been sending for the last few years towards them that we really don't care about them.
0: Yeah, that's all horrible water over the dam now. And this is going to be hashed out for days, weeks, months, years to come uh, much like followed the war in Vietnam and the calamitous end to that in Saigon. But let me move on to the present and the future right now. What do you expect the Taliban to do now? Uh, consolidate their victory, tend to their massive problems at home, uh, or quickly convert into a base of worldwide terrorism? to sort of say, we're the leaders now because we defeated the United States. What, what do you expect to happen next?
1: I think the taliban is going to learn from their mistakes of the past i don't think the taliban is going to be the same organization that was after 9 11 or before 9 11. i think uh, they have a new generation of leadership i think they understand the politics they understand the geopolitical game um, they have been negotiating with the united states and having sake. they are mm-hmm. talking to china they are talking to iran uh, they are talking to countries in the region
0: And that means that they're more sophisticated uh, and nuanced now? I think
1: they are more sophisticated, which makes them more dangerous, frankly. Hmm. Uh, I think what's going to happen is uh, I believe that the Taliban will learn from the Iranian model of the non-state actors, uh, a model that basically showed them before in places like Iraq, in places like Lebanon, in places like Yemen with the Houthis, for example how you can consume the state from the inside, absorb the state, and instead of destroying the institutions, make the institution yours. And That's exactly what we've seen with the Houthis um, in Yemen, for example, or with the hashid al in Iraq. And I think- um, Somalia. Yeah, yeah, and I think what's gonna happen is that the Taliban will be uh, more, um, Politically legitimate in Afghanistan, stronger than they were before 9-11. And I think they understand the importance of the geopolitical gains as we see with their meetings with different regional power and, and, and even you know, superpowers about this. Now, now you're seeing- the Taliban and the, the Al-Qaeda will be back in Afghanistan and they will be given a carte blanche to operate and train with, within constraints. That they don't mess up the overall Taliban vision.
0: So you're dismissing the kind of uh, propaganda offensive that the Taliban has been on for the last uh, 48 hours. That uh, you know uh, everyone should relax. Women don't need to worry. Um, you know, sort of calming uh, messages, and also trying to put out an international message that. We've grown up, we've learned a lot from the past, and we're going to be uh, part of the international order now. You're saying that's not going to happen.
1: That's not going to happen. The Taliban's of the Taliban. They have their own views. They have their own politics. I think uh, their ways of doing things is going to be a little bit different. And I think uh, uh, they're not going to act the way they acted before or responsibly to create a lot of, you know, outcry against them by the international community but i think towards the end maybe they will allow some women organizations to work and the west will take it as a huge victory maybe they will deal in afghanistan you know socially like uh, some other islamic countries like iran or saudi arabia is dealing with you mean allowing you know, non-governmental
0: organization rescue
1: they might even e- even allow humanitarian women. groups you know, again, I believe they're going to absorb the government. So the people who are employees by the government will continue to be employees by the government as long as they give bayad oath to the Taliban, as, mm-hmm. as long as they agree with the Taliban system. And, and I think, you know, the, again, this will make them more, uh, more, more dangerous uh, for what they can do. Uh, for the regional stability in the region, uh, not only in Pakistan, uh, not only in Afghanistan, but also in Pakistan, Tajikistan and all, a lot of other countries. Um, I think the relationship with them and the ta- uh, Al-Qaeda is uh, basically um, an essential relationship in so many ways. Remember, Al-Qaeda is part of the Taliban. Al-Qaeda gave bayat to the Taliban. They have this big oath between them, religious oath, and the Taliban are not going out. Um, you know, um, you know, betray Al-Qaeda after 20 years.
0: Let's try to put some flesh on that. Do you expect the al- Al-Qaeda could, say, off, open an office in Kabul? What's going to be their physical uh, positioning inside Afghanistan? Now?
1: I think they will be like they were before 9-11. Um, remember, before 9-11 and after the USS Call a lot of times, Mullah Omar and the Taliban were claiming, oh, Al-Qaeda are not here. We don't have any Qaeda members. What are you mm-hmm. talking about? Bin Laden is not even in Afghanistan. Um, mm-hmm. you know? um, let's let's not forget about history. <laughs> so you expect <laughs> I mean, them to open... Uh, lived it, old enough to to remember these kind of things.
0: So you expect I them to open training camps and so on? And so they already and so on. have training camps. They don't have mm-hmm. to open them. They're, mm-hmm. already They're already there I meant there. I meant to expand on them to expand on their presence they don't need you
1: they have bigger training camps and I think uh, eventually you're gonna start seeing uh, Afghanistan becoming a base of uh, foreign jihadis but the foreign jihadis are going to be a little bit different than what we saw with Isis it's going to be very similar to what we saw before uh, with the people who were going to Afghanistan to fight uh, the Soviet Union um, they will be contained. Um, I think the Taliban is not going to allow anybody to mess up what they have, because I think uh, I think they have a huge victory and they don't want to have anybody mess up. Well, uh,
0: uh, uh, expand on that a little bit about messing up. I mean, if they're allowing the uh, Al Qaeda to operate even more openly now after their victory in Kabul, um, how, how would the. Relationship mess up any more than it's already messed up.
1: Well, you know, strategically, Al Qaeda now is operating differently as well. Uh, Al Qaeda is not focusing on the West at this point. Al Qaeda is focusing regionally. Uh, their operations in the Sahel, for example, is focusing on in North the Africa. Bahir region, yeah, in North mm-hmm. Africa. Their operation in Yemen is focusing on the war in Yemen. Uh, their operations in Syria is complicated but you know the group that's still loyal to al-qaeda central is focusing Mm -hmm. on syria Uh, i think we anticipate uh, some members and leaders of al-qaeda who have been under pressure in some of these locations to probably go back to afghanistan maybe iran suddenly Mm -hmm. will put more pressure on the united states by releasing some of al-qaeda leaders from iran to afghanistan again so they can operate in afghanistan and kind of just The Iranians would like to probably mix it up a little bit uh, for the U.S. So I think that's that that these things will will happen. But I think we will be so um, hesitant to do anything about it. What are we going to do? Invade Afghanistan again? That's number one. Well, people talk
0: about. you know uh, cruise missiles and the like drones. right that,
1: so that doesn't work it will yeah. destroy a couple of bathrooms and a couple of uh, buildings but that does not change the momentum of mm. these organizations we tried it after the east africa embassy bombings we we tried it before we have been bombing the heck out of afghanistan for the last 20 years uh we've been droning the heck out of al-qaeda in, in pakistan and afghanistan for for so long that does not uh, you know yeah. And so CIA. what are we, we going to do? I mean, uh, you know, uh, so as long as they don't do another spectacular attack non, as, like 9-11, and I don't think they are planning to do something like this at this point, I think the situation will continue. Look, from al-Qaeda's perspective and from the Taliban perspective, remember, al-Qaeda is part of the Islamic Emirate in Afghanistan, which is a Taliban. Bin Laden gave ba'a to Mullah Omar a Wahir renewed the bayah. They, they renewed the bayah to the new leader of the Taliban. Um, loyalty. I think oath. Loyalty. The oath, the oath of loyalty, and this is this is significant uh, not only in the Pashtun culture but in Islam in general. The whole issue of bayah. So I think at this point, if you look at it, uh, Al Qaeda have a huge division with ISIS. Uh, well, I
0: wanted to talk about that. Where do you see basically, uh, ISIS, the Islamic State? Let's uh, go back
1: to Al Qaeda and Taliban first. The 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 the. the the division with ISIS was mostly because of the Bayah that Al Qaeda gave to Taliban and Mullah Omar, and the Zawahiri and the Qaeda stood up behind the Bayah to the Taliban. So now, the Qaeda was victorious, and Taliban is victorious, and now they are saying, "See, our way is the right way." So, in this way, if you look at the way that Al Qaeda has been operating, and I had. You know, I wrote a book about anatomy of terror, basically, is about these kind of things. You have three different um, uh, part of Al-Qaeda's plan. Uh, The Al-Qaeda's plan is called management of savagery. And the management of savagery means how the savage region, what Rome called the savage, savage region, get together and basically ultimately destroy the Roman Empire.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. So Al-Qaeda is trying to copy the same model by having... Um, regional by first kind of weakening the international order. And that was, according to bin Laden, was ushered during 9-11. Um, then uh, weakening the regional order. And bin Laden believed that he had a lot to do with that, with the Arab Spring. And then you go to phase two, which basically create vacuums that's existing because of the collapse of these regions, uh, b- you know, people like Mubarak or Gaddafi or whoever or Ali Abdullah Abdullah Saleh in Yemen and prevent anybody from filling that vacuum and, you know, creating alliances with tribes and with the population and different opposition groups in these areas until they depend on you a lot. And after they depend on you a lot, you establish a state and eventually you connect all these states together to establish the caliphate. ISIS went from phase one to phase three, immediately wanted to establish the caliphate. Al-Qaeda continued to operate in phase two. Now, you have to look at the victory of the Taliban as part of phase two, right? So now, the capital of this caliphate
0: is, is Kabul. Afghanistan, yeah. which
1: basically... That goes with the whole hadith of the black banners. I named a book about it, that the black banners come from Khurasan. Bin Laden believed it's Afghanistan um, and they will be victorious and they, until they leave Jerusalem. So according to their myth, according to their narrative, that's what's supposed to happen. So now they secure the capital. Now they have the regions to, to focus on and that's what Al-Qaeda is working on. And if you look at... The world before 9-11 and the world today. Let's talk about the Muslim world. I don't want to get involved with a lot of geopolitical things about it. China and Russia and Iran and Turkey. Just let's talk about places like Libya. Before 9-11, we had very good relationships in Libya. We had a very good embassy in Libya. We had deals with Gaddafi. He gave us his chemical and nuclear weapon, if you believe. George yeah. Tenet went and received them. Now, we don't have an embassy in Libya. Yeah. Who has an embassy in Libya? Mm-hmm. al-qaeda definitely an embassy mm-hmm. but iran also have an embassy russia has operatives in libya we don't
0: that's quite so, an uh, analogy you've raised uh and it's provocative and kind of frightening that but they only- have aspirations like they look back to ancient history and they see how the quote unquote barbarian tribes undermined the roman empire which was overextended and bloated and corrupt uh, just undermine them from place to place and place till so they linked up and overthrew the Roman
1: Empire. Sure, and that's exactly what they are doing. That is their policy, they, they have it. We, we have the plan. I mean, the Sentinel and CTC—they actually translated Al Qaeda West Point. Yeah, the West Point. I, I, I mentioned it, uh, you know, at length in my book *Anatomy of Terror* and in *The Black Manners*. So I think what happens today, if you look at Libya, as I mentioned, look at Yemen. Um, we spend how many billions of dollars, hundreds of billions of dollars in Yemen, right? Before, during Ali Abdullah Saleh. We don't have an embassy in Yemen. Mm -hmm. Google our embassy. Mm -hmm. It's it's a junkyard. Look at Afghanistan. We spend a trillion dollars in Afghanistan, $200 billion on the Afghani army. We could not even raise the American flag on the building in Kabul now, okay? Look at Syria. We had a huge embassy in Syria, we're working, you know, we didn't like the regime, but we were working with a lot of different things with the regime. Now we're not in Syria. But who's in all these places? Iran, who's in all these places? Russia, who's in all these places? Al-Qaeda. So tell me who's winning and who's losing here. So why do they need to do another 9-11 and unite the United States against an external enemy? when we are so divided among each other and fighting each other, they don't need to do that. And the Taliban know that. Yeah. But now Afghanistan is the capital of this, you know, the management of savagery policy. Yeah. And, uh, and I think that's something that we have to keep in mind. This is, this is way bigger than Kabul. This is way bigger than, frankly, Saigon um, um, and, and Afghanistan. Um, This is a great geopolitical shift uh, in the world order. Yeah,
0: I think the word uh, calamity applies here. We're going to have to leave it at that for today, Ali Sufan. We're going to be back to talk to you, however, about what the possible range of U.S. and Western responses can be to this uh, dolorous situation. Thank you for coming on the Spy Talk podcast. Look forward to talking to you again soon.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Jeff.
0: Get better soon, my friend.
1: The benadryl worked a little bit too. Well,
0: that'll screw your head.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, (coughs) but
0: it's better than the alternative. Uh, Hope you can drink a lot of water and take a nap this afternoon.
1: Um, uh, I'm trying, buddy. I woke up for you. That's why I'm wearing a hat. I'm actually in my bedroom. So
0: (laughs) I'm I so appreciate your time. I'm I'm so honored that you took the time Uh, today.
1: I I, I promised you I have to. I have to do it.
0: It was still very nice. I got to go to another Zoom right now. Um, I think I'm going to try to instead of regular podcast. I think I'm going to try to get this out as a, a special today.
1: So thanks that's so much. Great. Yeah, that's great. I think I think that's something that a lot of people need. To, nobody is saying it yet is that the Taliban going to be learning from the Iranian, from the Houthis, from a lot of the experiences with Hezbollah, with the Hajj al-Shaabi.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And if you think they're going to go and start executing the people in the intelligence service and the military are wrong, I think they're going to try to absorb them into the Taliban. Those who will agree to work with them. Those who don't agree, yes, they will kill them or they will kick them out. But the people, so they're going to do whatever, you know, what Khomeini did after 1979 by, by basically taking the Iranian regime. But think about it this way. We spent $200 billion on the Afghan army, right? We gave them a lot of equipment, a lot of Humvees, a lot of artilleries, a lot of ammunition. The Taliban owns it all now.
0: This has been a special edition of the Spy Dog Podcast. <laughs> Our regular programming resumes on Thursday, August 19th. Hope you'll be listening in. See you soon. This is Jeff Stein.
1: For more original reporting and insights like this, subscribe to spytalk.co on Substack and follow us on Twitter at talk underscore spy. If you enjoyed our podcast, subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.